Welcome to, to season two of Player One here on Sin. It's a, it's a brand new season, brand new me. I am Connor, joined alongside by my good pals, Eleni and Max. New season, new us, guys. Are you feeling refreshed? Feel, feeling excited? That's right. I've got the enthusiasm. I'm keen. Okay. I'm excited. We've got great content coming our way. I mean, the weather in Melbourne has gotten a bit colder, so everyone will be rugging up, but... Very, very exciting content coming our way. And if anyone wants to check that out, Connor, where can they find all that content? Well, uh, thank you for bringing me to that, Eleni. Because, yeah, if, it, if it's a cold night, you want to rug up with a nice, nice warm cup of cocoa, just put some fire on in the fireplace and tune in at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Omni and Spotify for all your Player One content. And listen, if they are not... If they're not a podcast podcast platform that has us, then they're not a good podcast platform to begin with because we are top tier. And then as well, go check us out on the social medias, the Facebooks, the Twitters, the Instagrams, the YouTubes. We're there. Player One Sin. We have a ton of stuff coming up. We've got you know, a couple of games coming out that we're very excited for. We, me and Eleni may have, may have, I don't know, it could be happening. We, we, we dove into a game in a lot of detail that will, Happen. That will happen. I don't know. Will it or any? I don't know. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. But of course, in even though to an extent, um, the I guess the the COVID side of things has sort of fizzled out. The world has not stopped moving, so it you have um, no reason to not call them. Um, if you are struggling in any way, I'm talking speaking of Beyond Blue at 1-300-224-636, Kids Helpline at 1-800-55-1800 and QLife at 1-800-184-527. Please do not hesitate to give them a call. They will give you that extra hand and help you get through whatever troubles you're going through. And now, of course, we've got some interesting gaming news lots of lots of drama been has been happening in the gaming world and we've got a few headlines for you all to let you know what's been going on uh, a lawsuit that dealt with unpaid royalties connected to halo music has been amicably resolved between microsoft halo composer marty o'donnell and colleague michael Salvatore. so you know i feel like there's always drama going on with with music in the gaming world i mean usually it's nintendo this time microsoft but Good to see that a, a settlement was agreed upon and that that'll be dealt with in an amicable way. But a new Star Wars game is in the works, folks, and will be developed by Amy Hennig's new studio, Skydance New Media. Um, more on this later on in the show, something we did cover earlier, but excited to delve into that one. Uh, another great game, Xenoblade Chronicles 3 release date, has been pushed forward for a late July release rather than its initial September release, which... It's really funny. I found this bizarre because, you know, with COVID, so many games have been delayed. So it was very odd to see a game actually being pushed forward for once. I think that's the first time we've seen that happen in probably years. So that's good news. It means the the game's ready to go. So Xenoblade fans 
get ready for that one. But Jane Foster's The Mighty Thor has been announced as the next character to be introduced into Crystal Dynamics Avengers game, which is exciting. We'll be covering the the movie trailer a bit later on, but I mean, I don't really know if anyone's still playing that game. But anywho, Hideo Kojima has shot down rumors that his studio will be under the PlayStation and Sony umbrella, stating that they will remain independent, which of course is just another development in sort of the the buying that's been going on, Microsoft, Sony, just buying every studio under the sun. But good to hear that they'll be remaining independent. Uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, the much-anticipated sequel to Into the Spider-Verse, has been delayed until 2023, despite having initially been scheduled for an October 2022 release date. So a bit sad to hear that one's gotten delayed, but very excited for that film when it does come out next year. Saints Row reboot customization options show off an impressive variety and they offer up zero restrictions on gender gender identity options, which is very exciting. Hopefully this sort of customization is is the norm in the future for games and good to see some good press for the Saints Row reboot. Hopefully it'll, it'll be great. But Dwayne Johnson will executive produce the It Takes Two movie adaptation that is set to release by Amazon. So... Very exciting, kind of bizarre news, I think. Odd odd project for Dwayne Johnson to attach himself to, but really exciting. You know, we we love a gaming adaptation and we love Dwayne Johnson. So it's a, a winning combo as far as I'm concerned. Um, now, Sonic Origins, a remastered collection of the classic Sonic titles, will be released on Sonic's birthday, June 23 2022 now this collection will include several 2d sonic games released on the genesis including sonic the hedgehog 1 2 sonic 3 and knuckles and sonic cd so all of these games will be digitally remastered for current platforms which is very exciting for sonic fans and honestly sonic's just just killing the game at the moment i think they're all over the the entertainment world so it's it's good to see that you know the classics are being brought to the forefront as well um Good news for, for PlayStation fans. PlayStation has released an app allowing users who own Windows 10 or 11 computers to update the DualSense controller. Now, previously, owners of the controller needed a PS5 console to re- receive firmware updates, so it's nice that they're offering this opportunity to, to the greater greater masses and they're not being as you know elitist or exclusive as the gaming and console space can be. But Lastly, uh, a bit of a shout out, Xbox veteran worker Chris Novak has left the company after nearly 20 years of service. Novak started at Xbox in 20, in 2002 as the design director, then served as the design architect in 2009 and finally became the head of research and design in 2016. Um, and he told Polygon in an interview that he was leaving because he wanted to refocus on his life. So you know, amazing work that he's done for the company and we wish him well for for his life and future endeavours. But, of course, gaming comes some great releases. And, Max, we've got some beauties coming out in the next week. We do actually have a few surprisingly actual notable games releasing this week, which is good. Um, Starting off with The Serpent Road, which is going to be on PC, PS5, Xbox Series S and X, and Switch on the 26th of April. MLB The Show is on Switch um, on the 27th. The Stanley Parable Ultra Deluxe is going to be releasing on Everything Under the Sun on PC, PS5, Xbox Series S and X, PS4, Xbox One, Switch. No Stadia, sadly. Uh, Vampire, The Masquerade Blood Hunt, will be releasing on PS5 on the 27th. Uh, Season 3 of Call of Duty Warzone is going to be releasing on PC, PS4, Xbox One on the 27th. And you might want to sit down for the next one because it's Bug Snacks, which is 
finally being released on the Xbox uh, Series S and X, Xbox One, and the Switch. So finally, everyone can have, have can have access to this masterpiece of a game. And there will also be an update for Bug Snacks, the Isle of Bug Snacks update uh, on PC, PS5, Xbox Series S and X, PS4, Xbox One, and Switch. And those will both be on the 28th of April. Also on the 28th of April will be Kaiju Wars on PC, Capital Sparks of Revolution also on PC, and Trigon Space Story, which is, you guessed it, also on PC. Uh, and then an exciting release, uh, Nintendo Switch Sports, which seems to be the spiritual successor to Wii Sports, which will be releasing uh, exclusively on the Switch on the 29th of April. And Ravenous Devils on PC, PS5, Xbox Series S and X, PS4, Xbox One, Switch will also be releasing on the 29th of April. And then finally is Sea of Craft on PC on the 29th of April. I, I've completely forgotten that we're we're getting closer and closer to E3, but they've beaten to us, they've beaten us early to it because MetaQuest Gaming Showcase came out with some some actually some really cool VR stuff, which I don't own a VR headset, but these kind of make me want to go out of my way to kind of get one. And this is going to be stupid. This is going to be one of the stupidest things ever. But the idea of Among Us in VR does sound kind of funny. Oh, it's like brilliant. Like it's one of those like like when I sort of was looking at the announcements, I was like, this just makes so much sense. You know, like it's so silly, and I wouldn't think anyone would have thought to do this. But yeah, like you said, Connor, there's some awesome VR games on the horizon, and I recently um just set up my PS VR, so uh, I'm delving into the the world of virtual reality, and you know there are some great games already available, but I like that we're getting even bigger announcements. I mean, the the one that I am really keen for is Ghostbusters VR. I think that's such a genius sort of concept and, you know, a much beloved franchise. And I think something like that in VR would be would be super fun. I know, Max, you sort of thought the the idea was quite fun as well. Uh, yeah, I think it'd be a good idea, actually. Um, what I was actually more interested about in the showcase was there's a the, the Walking Dead VR game, which apparently was really good. They're making, I think it's like chapter two of that. So more like, is it more of like an expansion, or is it its own? I haven't really looked into it. Um, I think it's sort of supposed to be like a continuation. So yeah, I guess you could call it an expansion or even just like a, a sequel. I guess I always find it funny when things call themselves chapter or like part. I'm like that just sounds like an add-on. Um. But yeah, yeah it, it does look really good. And that's where it's it's funny, I think, you know, with the technological advancements, I'm really loving sort of how VR's leaning into the horror genre so much more, mm -hmm. you know, even more Resident Evil announcements, Resident Evil 4 VR um, got a launch trailer. Yeah. So I think it's, it's so cool. I mean, I'm a bit of a scaredy cat. Um, <laughs> so like these games look fantastic. I don't know how I would handle them. Um, but yeah, are you a Walking Dead fan in general, Max? Uh, not particularly, but this like game looks like one of those like the few VR games that would actually make me consider looking into getting one because it looks like it's really like well polished and it fully makes use of the VR and everything. Um, and yeah, I I think it's interesting, like you said, because horror and VR seems to be a very good mix. Like it, the genre works very well with VR, and they're really tapping into that with like the Resident Evil game. The, yeah, the Walking Dead, the, well, I was going to say the Ghostbusters, but that's, um, but yeah, no, I think it's, I think it is interesting that we're finally seeing a few more VR games, because before it was kind of just like a weird little experiment, but now it seems to be they're trying to push it more into the mainstream, which I think should be kind of interesting. 
Yeah, and um, I think one genre that has yet to be proven as a successful VR sort of adaptation is the sporting genre because um, it's just been announced uh, that the first officially licensed VR NFL game um, will be released, NFL Pro Era. And I, I don't know, this sport's a funny one with VR. I'm not really sure, like, if it would translate well. I think, you know, something like NFL could be a good sport to translate into VR, but it, it'll be interesting. I find it funny sometimes the choices that they make. Like, I wonder who decided to pitch a NFL VR game. Um, but, you know, for fans who like who like sporting games, it's, it's cool. Um, other than that, I think... You know, we obviously got some simulator games, which is always exciting. Probably the the most accessible VR games we typically get. Um, Beat Saber got some uh, additional music added to it, which is very exciting. That's the the game that I've been smashing out at the moment on my VR. I absolutely love Beat Saber. Um, so I'm excited to see some more music um, gracing that game, um, which is very, very exciting. But other than that, like you said, Max, I think it's so cool to see more VR games uh, in the forefront. It's less of a, I guess, a... A lot of like a weird niche sort of thing. Yeah, it's becoming like a commodity. And even, I guess, you know, I think about, you know, when Resident Evil 7 got a VR release, I think now because you're seeing bigger studios and bigger games sort of getting a VR adaptation, it's making it, like you said, less of a niche sort of gaming experience and more more mainstream. But Connor, what do you think before we wrap up? Well, I, I've always wanted to try VR, so any excuse to con- to make me consider getting one more is a good enough excuse for me. Like, I've, I've seen Resident Evil 4 VR. It does look enjoyable. The fact that they're adding more to it is is such a good time, but I just can't get over playing Among Us in VR. That's going to be so stupid. Hi, I'm Elmza, and you're listening to Player One on Sin. And now we're talking about a new Star Wars game on the horizon, which should be very exciting, Um, except we don't really know anything about it. So that's kind of a good start. Um, Apparently, the um, lead uh, person of the project uh, is Amy Hennig, who uh, previously worked uh, at Naughty Dog and and wrote um, Uncharted. So now it seems like she was she's going to start working on a new Star Wars game, but we don't actually know yet. Um, if that is going to happen, what are we sort of hoping for for a new Star Wars game? Well, if I recall, Amy Hennig was the one that was working with Visceral Games um, when there was another Star Wars announcement, but then that got cancelled. So do we actually know if anything is actually happening or are they just put purely is it just purely rumor and innuendo this game yeah 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 no no so it's like it's confirmed that they're working on it's, a star wars okay game. um yeah okay. so um the so like a, a quote from the, the studio is that they're currently in collaboration with lucasfilm games to develop and produce a richly cinematic action adventure game featuring an original story in the legendary okay. star wars galaxy um which is exciting and of course Amy Hennig is someone who we've spoken about previously because she just broke away from EA to open up her new studio, Skydance New Media. Uh, we did cover sort of that announcement earlier in the year and we sort of did um, guess what projects they might be working on. So to have Star Wars confirmed is exciting. They've also confirmed that the studio is working on a narrative-driven Marvel game. So they're definitely hard at work. They're getting some 
some big name projects under their belt. But yeah, I think the the interesting thing is, will this Star Wars game pick up where Visceral Games left off? Will it be a completely separate Star Wars story? Will it have anything to do with the TV shows we've been seeing? What do you think, Connor? You'd almost think it would be a continuation of the Visceral Games project, but perhaps with different elements to not do the old, um, you know, I'll show you my we'll show you my assignment paper and you do your own version. It's not going to be a complete copycat, but there's going to be some very similar elements. But, damn, what a year for, for, for Star Wars games. Earlier in the month, we had Star, Lego Star Wars and the Skywalker Saga. And as of recording, Star Wars The Force Unleashed really released on the Switch. Like, could how many Star Wars games are we going to have released and announced within this year? Probably a few more. I'd love to. I'd actually love that because Star Wars, though it's a very beloved franchise, sometimes there are years where it feels like it doesn't get enough love. Yeah, well, it seems like we're sort of in like a Star Wars like kind of renaissance though. Now that like now, now that Disney's got it, everything's kind of like they're really ramping up amount of Star Wars content. You know what I mean? Like on mm. their own streaming services, there's now a movie every you know year or so. There's like all these games. There's just a million different things going on. So like. You know, that's the thing I, you know, we talk about Disney monopolizing the entertainment industry. Sometimes, <laughs> it bother, sometimes it bothers me. But then, like you said, Max, it's that thing of like, since they bought them out, like, look at how much Star Wars content we've got. And, you know, we've got like a new trilogy, regardless of people like yeah, those well, movies or not. Um, yeah. You know, it's still nice to to see more Star Wars content. But yeah, this, this game, it, it's an interesting thing because I think it probably will sort of just pick up from, from previous uh, games. But it would be really cool to see Star Wars go in a in completely different direction with their games, you know, tell a different narrative. I do wonder, like, if if it would have any connection to some of the TV shows we've got coming out, you know. It, it's, it, it could be anything, really. Is, is there anything you really want to see, Max, from this game? Um, I mean, I, I think, like, there should be different... I kind of wish there were more different genres within Star Wars because it's sort of like like a space western, which I like, you know, everyone kind of likes. But I kind of wish there were more like sort of different ideas. Like I'd love like a Star Wars horror game. I think it'd be, it'd I be was just thinking that. Yeah. That, think, Max, that, you that read my mind. <laughs> you just completely read my mind. I was thinking like a first person like PT or Resident Evil Village style horror game in the Star Wars universe. Yeah, I mean, because, like, there's so many interesting ideas that they could explore with that, right? So, yeah, like, a Star Wars horror game could be good, or, like, I don't know, like, a Star Wars kind of, like, um, what's the game, um, like, Elite Dangerous sort of thing, where you go to different planets and just sort of... Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. We, we, I think we kind of got that with Squadrons, that yeah, sort of piloting kind of game. That's true. Yeah, that's My, true. I forgot about this that. Is, that's a, I'm, I'm thinking as well... If you're going to aim for, like, smaller projects, um, lemmings, but instead of lemmings, it's your, your guiding Ewoks. Like, that, that'd be fun. That'd be a nice little, like, $10 um, small budget game. That'd be fun. I'd like to see something like that. Yeah. Or if they're just going to go, like, even, like, a maybe Dark Force, similar to Dark Forces, where it's a first-person shooter. Mm. Um shadows of the empire maybe like a little bit of a return to to dash rendar who remembers dash rendar i'm, I'm gonna me. take that as a no no, <laughs> no. Uh, that's sad 
And now, of course, you know, player one, we love talking about Breath of the Wild 2. We never have a release date for you listeners, but there's always some news circulating about what's going on. And recently people have been saying that they don't even think this game's going to be able to run on the Switch. And now it's it's a very bizarre talking point because, you know, obviously rumors have been circulating about a Switch 2 console, a Switch Pro. And so there are people within the industry now saying that looking at the images we've gotten, looking at a little bit of gameplay footage we were shown, that the image quality just seems a bit too good. And now people are thinking maybe maybe this game will be a, a launch title for a, a new Switch console. Maybe it'll be something that will feature on a completely different console. Who knows, folks? But, Max, what do you think? Is this just a bit of, you know, craziness or is there any merit to anything anyone's saying? I mean, I do love the idea that all the workers go, oh, we've we've overdone we've overdone this call environment. We gotta we gotta work something out now. Um, I mean, like it, it'll work. They'll find they'll find a way. Life finds a way. I mean, it's, Breath of the Wild release really on, on the Wii U. Like anything is possible. Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. It's yeah, utterly they'll, ridiculous. They'll, they'll, make, they'll make it work. I just find it so silly that people be like. No, oh, this one image that we saw of the game, oh, it's too good for the console. And it's like, but hold up a second. Nintendo have confirmed that this is the middle span of the Switch's life. There are no new consoles coming out for quite some time. And then on top of that, I could probably name a few games that are bigger than Breath of the Wild that are probably a bit more graphically intense that run all right on the switch but i think the other thing and that's kind of what you said before max that um i think people may have forgotten that originally breath of the wild was supposed to be a wii u title and so you know obviously they would have bumped up the visuals when it made the transition to the switch but breath of the wild 2 is a game that's purely being made to release on the switch so it doesn't sort of have the technical limitations of you know releasing on the Wii U, which of course was a classic console that everyone loved and it was so successful and it didn't damage Nintendo in any way. But I I think, um, yeah, maybe some people have blown this one a bit out of proportion because I definitely don't think that, you know, they would have released this footage if there was any sort of possibility that maybe it would have been on another console. Maybe, you know, some people have been speculating that they might have churned out the the trailer footage with like a higher resolution or like, you know, higher specs than than what it will play on but that's not something nintendo usually do i don't think they're always pretty uh, good at they're usually pretty good i think it you know like if there's trailer or gameplay footage it's never misleading like some other studios but no, yeah I don't but know. Like, that sounds realistic though to be honest that sounds fairly realistic yeah i just think that it's very bizarre that like a 30 second little launch update turned into oh you know they're developing a new console i think it's very bizarre i wasn't i wasn't too sure what to make of this but i guess who knows i mean the game is scheduled to come out you know next year so do do we think that maybe there's a realm where we might be getting a switch pro or something like this no highly doubt it yeah it's it's a funny one and it's, it's just the power of nintendo i think you know no, no developer has more rumors circulating than than them. I think because they usually play their cards pretty close to their chest. They're not ones to announce. Or actually, that's not true. They either announce things and then they get made ten years later. Um, yeah. 
or they sort of just drop things out of out of the blue but um I mean, the good thing is that obviously it means that we're getting a, an upgrade in the graphics to Breath of the Wild 2, which is very exciting. What we have seen looks very polished. Um, do we think that the game will look similar to the first one or do we think that maybe they're going to push the Switch for all it's worth and have some some really great updated graphics? It's going to be a bit of both, but I do want to add, I'm. This is, I think this is a funny but also sad realisation. I think we're closer to Breath of the Wild 2 than we are Metroid Prime 4, which was announced at the Switch's launch. Yeah, when I said sometimes they don't release things for 10 years, that's exactly yeah. we we all knew what <laughs> I meant that's... there. We, we all knew what, what I meant there. They love announcing things and being like coming soon. And then it's like five years later, they'll be like, so we've got an update. Um, we're still working on it and it's coming it's... soon. Think about it. It's been nearly three and a half years since that initial, um, since that initial announcement of, "Hey, we're going to be restarting everything." Yeah, which is always the sort of thing you you want to hear, really. Now we're talking about Unreal Engine Five uh, and our thoughts on this and why it's significant. Um, do you want to start us off, Connor? Well, yeah, because it looks pretty darn good. Um, I, we, we saw, I believe the Unreal 5 engine was also used in like the Matrix demo for a game. Like, come on, if we're going to get more Matrix games and potentially more Keanu, then I'm down for that. But I wonder, I don't know if it is going to be the chosen engine. Granted, Unreal 5 is still fairly new, but as someone who loves uh, the Hellblade series, um, seeing Senua's saga in Unreal Engine 5 would make the game look just beautiful. And that's one thing that so far all Unreal Engine 5 demos or previews of games all look beautiful. Like, holy cow. I've been very pleasantly surprised. Granted, Unreal Engine has always been pretty powerful and always been a, a huge game changer in terms of visuals. But damn, this is like playing a movie. No, definitely. And I think um, what's been amazing about the Unreal Engine in general is just the, well, firstly, the accessibility. I think, you know, looking at smaller devs having access to this engine, it means sort of the quality of games across the board has really improved. It means, you know, this this high quality visuals or gameplay isn't just limited to, you know, like the bigger AAA games. We've got quality across the board and Unreal 5 is sort of just a updated continuation of that. And, you know, we've already had announcements like the next Witcher will be developed in Unreal 5, the next Tomb Raider as well. So it's clearly something that the industry is excited about. Uh, and the other thing that's so cool is, you know, we look at the the way gaming has sort of come into the mainstream. You know, Unreal Engine has been used in, in TV shows and films, you know, most recently and probably most highly documented, you know, The Mandalorian. Uh, so it's so cool to see this kind of hybrid model being used that gaming, you know, it's no longer sort of a, a hobby or industry that's sort of in the in the background. It's really at the forefront and you've got people really utilising and capitalising on the amazing technology at, at people's disposal. And Unreal 5 looks fantastic, I think, in terms of, you know, open world games, in terms of world building. It's going to be so exciting to see what, you know what we're able to experience and, and play with and have but uh yeah what 
what other games or series would you love to see sort of capitalize on Unreal 5? What about you, Max? Any that come to mind? Um, well, again, like, because I, I, we I was thinking about Star Wars because we were talking about it before and like, like particularly like a lot of those sort of space sort of games, I think would work, would be yeah, great to see with this new level of um, technology. I think it'd be really cool. Um, but like, really, it's just going to be an overall improvement just for everything. Really, it's going to make everything just that much better around the board, which should be good. Yeah, yeah definitely. And, and like you said, it's just the, the overall improvement, you know, we... We love seeing, um, you know, you look at older games, like I love looking at like a series. If you look at an older game and then you look at its recent release and you think, wow, when that older one got released, I thought the visuals were amazing. The world was amazing. And then it just goes to show how, you know, the the gaming industry is just never missing a beat. And I think, you know, Unreal 5 is, is very, very exciting. You know, they did sort of test out, you know, we got a, a little trailer and taste of sort of capabilities that it has. So everything looks it looks good it looks clean it looks crisp it looks exciting uh connor what are you most excited for with unreal 5 well obviously the possibilities of what can be achieved for the visuals but i'm looking forward the first thing that came to my mind as well actually no not the first thing but one of the things is um crash 4 was made in unreal engine 4 um, I would love to see the next Crash game done in Unreal Engine 5 and see how far they can take the visuals for a, th- for a 3D platformer. That's, that's all I want in this world. I know. That's something that I, I love. You know, when you see people have, like, I don't know, uh, like, developed old game titles in the Unreal Engine. I mean, the one that always got me was um, when someone had done it for Ocarina of Time, and I was like, oh, I want this so bad. I want it so bad. Uh, so, you know, like it's exciting that, you know, smaller developers have the opportunity to create games that that have, I guess, a, a more, you know, big budget feel, if you like. Um, as I said, you know, TV and film using, using these kinds of technology is so exciting. I kind of get a little bit of a uh, I have a, like a proud mum moment when I when I hear things like this. When you hear like people from the movie and TV industry talking about the games world, it makes me so happy because I feel like back in the day it, it wasn't like that. People were like, "Oh, like this is like a you know a little niche kind of entertainment industry that might fizzle out. It might you know expand." And I feel like the gaming industry is only getting better and better. But yeah, I think that the big one for me is probably the next Witcher being in Unreal Five. I think that's like a crazy thing that amazing that it's already been confirmed because I think that would be so cool. I mean, I love The Witcher, uh, so I'm excited to see how how that works out. But uh, before we we wrap up, Max, have you got any final thoughts on Unreal 5? I've got no ideas. My head's completely empty. i got nothing. Now, we love video games. We love a good challenge in video games. But how much is too far here now we're talking specifically achievements. Now, I think the example that I'm going to put in is not necessarily, it, obviously it is an achievement in the game itself, but as well, a personal achievement in the game. Um, it was completing ultra nightmare mode in Doom Eternal. Um, that goes beyond the point of sanity and I would not recommend it to anyone whatsoever because if you've ever wanted to see me th- nearly throw a controller through a window, um, that was probably the closest you'll ever see me get to it. And it is not worth the stress. It is not worth the time. 
Um, but if you're an idiot like me who loves Doom, then maybe. But I would say that's probably the biggest one. Um, and as well, any developer time trials in kart races is ridiculous because there is no way in humanly possible that any normal person could reach that level. So don't put them in because we're not going to try it. No, there are some like classics across the gaming board that I think everyone can agree with. Um, I think two that for me stand out and they're quite recent-ish ones, even though this isn't technically an achievement. Um, obviously, Breath of the Wild, um, collecting those damn <laughs> Korok seeds was the biggest waste of time of any experience in my life because obviously people know that you know, it wasn't worth it. What did you get? You got like a golden poo statue. So that was, <laughs> I mean, it was kind of funny. Like really, it was genius actually. Um, but that was a waste of time. I feel like that's the sort of thing that I, I wish, you know, Nintendo hadn't had a sort of gamer score achievement type system because we all deserved it after that absolute waste of time. Um, one for me, you know, talking about like difficulty and stuff was the, the deadly obsession achievement for shadow of the tomb raider uh which was only like i think worth like 15 gamer score in the end but it basically meant you had to beat the game on the hardest difficulty which was deadly obsession um which was you know like basically like extremely hard um but it had sort of certain handicaps like you could only save at um campsites which meant you know if you spent like an hour and a half in a tomb for example and then died you would get sent all the way back to to that campsite so I actually started Shadow of the Tomb Raider on this difficulty um and gave up because I was like I can't do it and the thing is that you can't actually change the difficulty so I had to reset and restart the whole game because I couldn't like lower the difficulty I couldn't change it at all so that was one that I was like, this is this is just a bit unnecessary, I think, folks. No one was going to enjoy this. Like, I'm not really Lara Croft. You know, I wish I was, but that was one that kind of had me going, you know, sometimes the difficulty isn't really worth it in the end. But what about you, Max? Um, I, I, well, like a, a general one is like multiplayer achievements. Ones that you have to rely on like other people for is just, is generally like a nightmarish situation. One in particular, um, in Overwatch, the Rapid Discord achievement, the one where you have to be Zenyatta and get four kills or assists with one of his abilities within, I think it's like four seconds, which is like next to impossible. And I tried to get the achievement for about like, like a few years until it just randomly happened because it's a multiplayer <laughs> achievement, so you can't plan for it. And I then after that. three years, then the Platinum Trophy, because that was the last trophy I needed, then I got the Overwatch Platinum Trophy and I was finally done. So, like, it's... I think that, that like, those sort of achievements are, like, the worst kind, where it's out of your control. No, exactly. And like you said, the multiplayer, the thing that always bothered me was, like, say you pick up a game and it's, like, five, ten years old and it has a multiplayer component and you want to, like, get all the the trophies or you know unlock all the achievements but like no one's playing the multiplayer so it's like how can I get these <laughs> achievements if there's no one in the servers like what's the point of this well, I hate when well, that happens yeah. I gotta think you know what's probably the hardest game to get the, the platinum trophy on now tell me Battleborn <laughs> the Overwatch clone that died oh, because right. they've just they've stopped the servers for it I actually have a Battleborn hat that 
a certain retail store was giving away for free because they said, we've got too much of this. Nobody wants it. Please just take it. <laughs> I um, love that. I went, yeah, okay, I will. The, the sad part was Battleborn wasn't actually a bad game. I, 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 I didn't Give play or take? It. I actually I didn't, I didn't play it. And I think that was a recurring thing, which is probably why it... Uh, failed so quickly well fairness the servers at most had like 13 people in them hey that's that's what more could you ask for honestly uh but i guess speaking of uh, achievements and trophies you know this is a bit of a humble brag moment for us all are there any that stand out to to you folks that you think wow i'm i'm so proud of myself that i that i did that Ooh, i would say I, I, my ultra ultra gamer moment was definitely completing like doom eternal in ultra nightmare because if you die once during that playthrough it's your save file is deleted so you have to bang it out through that entire session without dying once and doom eternal is quite a hard game to play even on normal difficulty so I was quite proud of that moment. Sorry to cut you off there, Max. <laughs> oh, no, fair enough. I was just going to say, like, I think, like, when you get, like, those, like, platinum trophies on PlayStation when you've won 100% of it, just that feeling of, I've done it, but I should really go outside more. What have I done? With yeah, the, when you, like, with, stare out at the window life. and you're like, I haven't seen daylight for yeah, three like, months. Now, now what? Yeah. It has been 83 years. <laughs> No, exactly. It's like, like the, it's like the game hangover or book hangover when you like complete a game and you're like, what do I do now? Um, now what? Yeah. But I guess to quickly wrap up, I've got one similar to Connor. Um, for me, it's probably completing Bioshock with Vita Chambers disabled and on the hard difficulty. So similar to what you were saying about Doom, if you if you died, that was it. The game, you know, you you went back to the beginning. There was no way to respawn or anything. Um, so I was very that, proud of it particularly brutal because like I, I love Bioshock but I've never played it in that mode because I don't hate myself that much like yeah. oh, it just seems like it'd be miserable no it was it was basically like especially when I like you know by the end of Bioshock you become so OP with all the weapons and upgrades that like it's not that bad but in the beginning when it's like you and a wrench versus a big daddy I was like I don't really think I fancy my chances here this does not seem like it's gonna go down well this is Grant Kirkhope and you're listening to Player One. You're listening to Player One on Sin with Connor, Max, and, and who's come from the shadows, uh, who's escaped Michael Whoa. Transactions, and he's Whoa. dirty. He's dirty? What was he's, his dirty? Well, I've well, escaped his dirty? Uh, Connor. He, he, you've escaped his dirty microtransactions. Oh, there was oh. more to that sentence. There you go. That's exciting. How good. Hi, Dem here. How are you going, everyone? I hope well. Oh, very good. Until I heard about Michael transactions again, trying to seep in his way into our games. And he's trying to get into the minds of Sony and Microsoft. He is trying to possess Phil Spencer himself to allow ads in free-to-play games. Now, we saw how this went with NBA 2K, and you want to know how that went down? It went poorly, like poorly. So I expect that this load of bull will only meet the same fate in that they'll be like, oh, no, I'm oh, sorry, we didn't mean to put them in, or no, we didn't mean to impede them on gameplay. The last thing I want to see in a game of Apex is an ad for freaking Maccas. 
So tell me what you'll think about this bullcrap. Oh, well, you know, I, I mean, the double roll ad is my absolute, the absolute bane of my existence. I swear. It used to be, oh gosh, when there's a five second ad and it buffers, oh, woe is me. Now it's like, great, when there's a triple roll ad and one of them has to play for a minute if you want to get through it or not. Um, I'm not a big fan of uh, non-consensual ads. I find them rude, if I'm honest, especially uh, in my safe space, which is YouTube, which is not an entirely safe space, I have to say. So to find out that it's going to be in my free to plays, that's a bit rude. That's a bit nasty. You don't really like it. Don't really want it. I don't know. It's It says here that they're not going to be taking a cut of the ad revenue. So what is this achieving? Is this for the games themselves? So it's for the brand. So if Apex were to put ads in, it would be for Apex. But then it, but then that wouldn't make sense if, because why wouldn't that be something that Respawn would do rather than Sony and Microsoft? Well, also, yeah. You're already in the game then, so what's the point? It's going to be frustrating. The last thing I want to see whenever I want to load into a game of Apex is an ad for stupid services or stupid drinks. Yeah, well, I don't exactly. want to care about that. Because this is like, it's getting into a sort of arena, it seems for less of like this like novelty aspect i'm seeing a lot of information about like ads in games being like you know a novelty like seeing like a, a netflix ad on a billboard or something these are no. to be these are to be obtrusive quite like in your face annoying ads sort but of like cut they, off gameplay kind of vibe is that what we're looking at here or we don't I know hope yet. not like yeah. granted the fact like in, in in the nba 2k games they put them in loading screens but the but the annoying part was the loading had already been completed so whenever you go into the game there's like a little basketball icon with the percentage of how the game how much the game is loaded it would be at 100 but you can't progress further because you actually have to sit through an ad before then so i hope that this isn't the case where you've you the, the game's loaded the game's ready to go but you can't progress further I mean, it reminds, it's like that, what was it, that Black Mirror episode where people can't do anything unless they watch the ad? Oh my is God, that? That, uh, that's the one on the, on the bikes? Yeah, on the bikes. The bike just... one. I can't remember what it was called because it was like also like they had to like build up money to like pay for things by watching the ads. Yeah. And this guy ends up, oh, that whole episode is really cooked. Let's not go there. Yeah, that, the, that the whole seems... series is weird. Uh, yeah, I, I'm just realizing now what the rest of that episode was, but. Anyway. Yeah, no, I was going to go there too, and I also remember what that episode was. Yeah. Watch Black Mirror, folks. It's worth it. Um, it is but it's, good, actually. In, um, in answer to our question on if there will be obtrusive ads, it seems like they'll just be like in like uh, in context ads or like uh, diegetic ads, so ads that make sense in universe, say like billboards or like screens or something like that. Less loading screens, more just bits and bobs to be seen around the world as just. At, like aspects of the world but not necessarily yeah nah yeah nah not a fan not a fan but what were you gonna say max I've, I've got no ideas to be honest um i think it's a weird idea though because like i mean like especially because a lot of games already have like you know like um sponsorships and they have collaborations like fortnite's collaborated with everything Mm. And I, I, I love the idea of dying in a round of Fortnite again, getting an ad for like another game entirely or something. Just seems <laughs> seems really funny to me. My favorite meme on earth is people being like, "Look, it's Spider Man from Fortnite," and it's like, 
Thanks, guys. <laughs> nothing existed before Fortnite. It's Master Chief from Fortnite. Oh, God, don't Look, get me Tom started Holland on that. Look, it's Tom Holland and Zendaya from Fortnite. Oh, I love that. Oh, the Bruno no. Mars in Fortnite. I, I, have to, I have to confess, I actually logged into Fortnite and I was like, I'm going to buy the Bruno Mars skin because I feel like... The Ariana oh. Grande skin? I think oh. so. Space Princess oh, Ariana no. Grande of Fortnite. I think it's all an interesting way of looking at things. As long as they're not obtrusive and they actually seem to be benefiting the games themselves, I feel like these ads will not be a problem. And now, folks, you know, taking a bit of a a bit of a detour from gaming news, still pop culture news, of course, but Thor Love and Thunder finally got a little tidbit of a trailer, a bit of a teaser, if you will. I wouldn't call it a full trailer, but very exciting. We got our first look at the mighty Thor, of course, played by Natalie Portman, Jane Foster. Very exciting. She looks very fit to play the part. Definitely been hitting the gym, that's for sure. Very exciting to see what they do with the character. Uh, before I kind of dive deep in, I just wanted to get your thoughts, Dem. What did you think of this little teaser we got? It was a bit fun. Although I have to say that little that little starting bit where it's Thor running at the beginning, I honestly thought that was an ad for something else. When I was watching the trailer, I, I genuinely thought like, there's no skip on this. Oh, that's the trailer. Um, it did catch me by surprise. But generally, it seems like a really good mix of, uh, of content to see. A lot of Guardians of the Galaxy definitely to be seen in this one. Um, and I think the pop vinyls have already spoiled a fair bit of where this is going. Uh, if we go, do we want to do the spoilers? Do, do, do we want to go down that path of the spoiler spoilers? Of course. Yeah, let's do it. So apparently a pop vinyl of Ravager Thor is being released in the next week for pre-order at, at select stores near you, uh, which is exciting. Pop vinyl once again ruining everything for everyone by spoiling it like they have with many other places as well. I was going to say, isn't it funny? I feel like toys always spoil Marvel products or like just like Terribly. big franchise. Yeah. It's always like it's even Star Wars. I feel like so many things get spoiled with Star Wars because it's like, you know, like promotion work from like the new toy has come out and it's like will be a character in a completely different look or something. Um, but yeah, no, very, very exciting. Um, Max, what did, what did you think about this trailer? Uh, I thought it was good. I think it's definitely... It's going for like a very different look than the other Marvel movies, which I think is definitely a good idea. Um, and I'm also glad to see the Taika Waititi is back directing again. That's definitely a good sign. Um, I think it'd be good. I, I'm looking forward to it. I think it'd be good. Yeah, and like lots of little tidbits in the trailer that definitely sort of raised some eyes. I know for me, you know, obviously we, we were all expecting um, Natalie Portman to come back and to play the Mighty Thor. But what was so cool is when we did get that reveal at the end, she was wielding a version of Mjolnir that seemed to be the broken one that that we saw Thor have at the end of Thor Ragnarok, which is interesting because for me, I kind of thought that the Jane Foster we'd be seeing would be a variant of the one we're used to seeing. Obviously now with the multiverse, you've got mm-hmm. different versions of the same characters popping in. So I kind of figured that's what we'd be seeing. But then to have her wielding the broken Mjolnir that is seemingly the Thor that we know, um, it's interesting because maybe it is the same old Jane Foster. Very, very interesting. Of course, you know, the big thing in in this film will be um, that we'll be hopefully delving into other realms, other gods. We got a little a little snippet of who probably is Zeus. Of course, the big baddie in this film um, is someone who will be hunting down all the gods and trying to destroy them, which is probably what's going to make poor old Thor you know, have to get back into the fighting ring, even though he just wants to hang out with his with his pals and have a good time. But Party I, Thor. 
I know I'm loving party Thor I'm loving the idea of like you know this all-powerful god just wanting to hang out with his pals and enjoy his time not have to you know have any of that responsibility but you know we know that the responsibility has been passed on to to Valkyrie she is sort of the king of Asgard we got that lovely shot of her in a in a suit which I think people are excited for you know she is confirmed to be a queer character so hopefully we see her find love maybe we get a proper same-sex relationship in the MCU given that representation is a bit of a tricky thing for them they like to allude to things but never really explicitly you know I guess show a same-sex relationship we did get a little a little you're implying that that the the one line in, in Loki wasn't enough well, not particularly. I mean, one was of the it be- the entirety of turning? Sorry, I think this is a Disney problem. Like the entirety yeah. of turning red being rewritten, or perhaps uh, oh, Oscar funny. Isaac's take on Poe Dameron being rewritten. Also, as he said, uh, Disney not being ready. I don't know. I'm not going to yeah. say that it's. Uh, I am going to say it's a bit of a, an intrinsic problem. I think with the studio generally, I think they they feel like they want to be safe. But it is, but you know, like one thing, obviously, in Marvel's Eternals, we did get to see a, a queer superhero, which was very exciting. Faster was queer, had a husband, had a little family, and whole three minutes, whole three minutes, oh, and you good. know, there was a bit of a sexually <laughs> charged kickback. moment between um, Thor and Star Lord. You know, everyone's talking about that little moment, which was cute. I would love. They to hate get a- each other, so they will, in fact, have a moment. Yeah. We, yeah. we, we love an enemies to lovers relationship, don't we? Um, but yeah, any sort of final thoughts on, on what we want to see from Thor? Are we excited? Do we think that we want another Thor film? Well, this is the thing. I didn't even realise that that was Natalie Portman. But he fully Clark Kent and Superman, uh, Superman'd me. Like, I was like, who is that woman in that mask? And then everyone was like, it's Natalie Portman. And I'm like, I guess it's Natalie Portman. <laughs> Even though I knew she was doing that, I still got Clark Kented. I, I'm so silly. But generally, I'm excited to see this. I'm excited to see the Mighty Thor. I think it's a really interesting, uh, super-powered up lady. I'm keen to see it. I want to see Natalie Portman just be a badass. I be a be a kick-ass woman. Yeah, that's what I'm keen. Well, I mean, you're not even going to see her if you don't even recognize her. That's I know. so funny because so many people said that. And I don't know, but for me, it was like so clear that it was Natalie Portman. And then I saw like online, everyone was like, you can't even tell it's her. Like, is it even her? And I was like, well, that's kind of the point of the mask, I feel. Like, that's yeah. the whole point of the mask. Like the secret identity thing, you know, like, like that's bad. Like you couldn't tell Tom Holland was Tom Holland under, under the Spider-Man mask. So, you know, like job done. Yeah, but that covered his whole face. You can still kind of see Natalie Portman's. I think I'd never, what I would say is the reason I didn't recognize it is because her jawline is quite pronounced in that helmet. And I did not realize she had such a sharp jawline. And I was like, who did? It, Natalie Portman. Yes, 2022 is the year of jawlines. We've had Robert Pattinson looking great in the cowl in the Batman suit. And now we've got Natalie Portman looking great as the Mighty Thor. Hello, this is Howard Scott Warshaw. I created Yar's Revenge, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and the E.T. video games for Atari way back when. And I just want you to know that you are not only listening, but you are enjoying Player One on Sin. Go on, enjoy it. And now we're going to talk about uh, Lara Croft being a confirmed queer character in the new Tomb Raider game. Um, Now, Lenny, I know you had a lot to say about this, so I'll just hand it over. I'll hot potato it. Yeah, well, well, thank you for that. 
um, hot potato max. I will happily yeah, accept yeah, it. You're, you're and, welcome. And run mm-hmm. with it. Um, well, I think the thing is that she's not confirmed, but the fans really want this to be the case. I think, you know, Lara Croft is obviously a gaming icon, arguably one of the, if not the biggest, female gaming icons of all time and it's something that people have been pushing for particularly because it seems like there's this push and pull between sort of the industry wanting it and not knowing if the fans are ready for it you know a great example of this is something that was sort of revealed um last year um there was a comic tomb raider inferno and essentially that comic was um originally intended to end with a a kiss between Lara Croft and her best friend Sam who was a character in the first Tomb Raider game of the recent trilogy and then she sort of appeared in the subsequent games not really as a character in the game but in like letters or flashbacks um but sort of this this particular comic centered around their relationship and the ramifications of the first game uh and it was supposed to culminate in a kiss that was then later scrapped and turned into as something that was described as as a friendly hug um and this sort of change has been confirmed by two of the comic book two of the writers of the particular issue um gail simon and jackson lanzig and it's it's something that's interesting because clearly people in the industry or people in the world think that there's a lot of you know queer coding in 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 the Tomb Raider franchise you know people have commented about the recent reboot and sort of the queer subtext of of that game in particular as I said the first game where there's definitely moments that kind of allude to some sort of romantic relationship between Lara and her friend Sam I mean she basically like carries her bridal style down a mountain and there's a rainbow in the background while this is happening so it's oh my not God. It's not even really subtext, but <laughs> there's just something holding holding the the series back from confirming it. So it's something that with the the new game being confirmed, it's confirmed that a new Tomb Raider game is in the works, being developed in Unreal Five. Uh, people just want them to come out and just say she's queer, and it's a tricky thing. But Dem, what are your thoughts on this? So having listened to you, Eleni, I sort of come to the conclusion that my fears will be abated, which is the issue of when characters, female characters are revealed to be, you know, gay, queer, etc. It's often sexualized for the male gaze. But it seems to me like it's been built up in a way that's actually more for the for the ladies than for the men it, to, to sort of, I suppose, elucidate that. Trust me, I wanted, I want, I would love to see this come to pass. I just, I worry about this with many characters becoming, especially a sex icon like, uh, like Lara Croft, it's an easy territory to enter, but it seems like it's not too much of a worry, maybe. No, I think that's such a, a good thing you bring up about sort of the female gaze versus the male gaze, because I think historically she is a character that has been made in the male gaze. And, you know, we, we've we discussed on the show, you know, people have discussed heavily the over-sexualization of Lara Croft as a character. So in a, in a great turn of events, I think that, you know, this idea of having her as a confirmed queer character and even the most recent trilogy sort of brought that attention back into the female gaze. I think she's sort of become a more empowered version of of what she could be. She's always had that, you know, uh, fantastic, I guess, female power, but has often been sort of dragged down by, you know, uh, male identifying members of the gaming community wanting to sexualize her, you know, take away her power as a, as a heroine and more focus on what she looks like, which is yeah, a shame. Yeah, boobs and butt. That's what, that's what she's here for. She was here to demonstrate the power of the polygon. Exactly. Specifically the triangle. 
Yeah, exactly. All, <laughs> all about that triangle. All about that triangle. All about that triangle. No, I, I hope to see this as a real step forward for ladies in the uh, video game space and anyone who identifies on the femme side of the spectrum. Because it's a tough one, isn't it? It is a tough one. Yeah, but, but the world's ready to grow up, though. Oh, isn't it, though? That... But there are the, the people screaming at the world to not grow oh. up. Oh, of course. But I think for the large majority of people who have grown up, and I think even for some that grew up in that generation where the initial Tomb Raider games came out and Lara Croft was heavily sexualized, um, a lot of those people have grown up since then. So I think that having this happen, potentially, I think, could, yeah, could have been done a lot earlier, but I think it's a part of the developers where it's like, is the world ready for what we want to do with this character? Yeah. So I think well, now the thing, is like it? the perfect time to do it. A lot of people matured. A lot of gamers have matured. Obviously there are the some that are going to be remaining immature idiots, but that's, I would say for the very large, that's a very, like, that's a very minute minority of such a large majority of people have grown up and have matured in such a way where like great that like that's awesome and it's not going to affect us in any way shape or form really it's just like great Lara Croft is identifying as a member of the LGBT community hell yeah that's awesome well yeah and I think it's a good point you bring up about how it doesn't like the the larger community doesn't mind and I think one thing that um this made me think of as you know is uh The Last of Us as a video game franchise you know um the Last of Us 2 featured a openly lesbian protagonist, Ellie, which was fantastic. And even though there were people online that, you know, had a lot of negative things to say about that, a lot of homophobic things to say about that, it had no impact on the game's success in terms of the amount of people who bought the game, in terms of the critical acclaim of the game. It had no impact on the overall quality of the game. And I think sometimes people use that as an argument, you know, people like to make out that these sorts of decisions, having representation in general, whether it's queer representation, female representation, you know, having uh, protagonists who are people of color, it has no impact on the quality of a game. It just makes the gaming space a more inclusive and diverse community. And what more could we ask for? You know, we want games to reflect and represent the people playing them. And other than, you know, RPGs where you get to create your own character, you know, set protagonists very rarely are anything other than straight male identifying characters, really, or white male characters. So hopefully I would love to see it. I'm so here for like gay Lara Croft. I'm so here for it. I want her and Sam to be besties and love each other. They deserve it. Everyone who played those games knows in their heart that they deserve to be together. As the usual quiz master, um, I've decided to take a week off, so I've handed the reins to Eleni. So, Eleni, I hope you can really back my amazing Bubsy quiz with one of your own, specifically of Bubsy. Yeah, look, um, I'm I'm going to be honest. It's a quiz. Um, the listeners can judge how good it is. Please hit us up on social media. Let me know if my quiz mastering days need to be improved. They probably do, but... It's a quiz, player one. It's all about gaming. I have eight questions. We'll we'll do the first four, head into some lovely tunes, come back and do the next four. But for anyone who hasn't tuned into player one and heard our quiz before, the way it works is I'll read out the question. Everyone will buzz in with their buzzers. Whoever I hear first will be able to answer first. 
they'll get a point for the question and whoever ends up at the end with the most the most correct answers then they will be the champion of the player one quiz and we'll get to do the quiz next week so it's a great responsibility being the quiz master it's one i take very seriously so before we get into it can i just hear a quick test of everyone's buzzers damn Good, mine works. Max. Yeah. There you go. Lovely. All righty, folks. Well, we're going to hit the first question that's going to be out of this world because question number one, which planet in the solar system, our solar system to be exact, would be the size of the Minecraft world if it were real? Oh. Wait, what? If the planet was real or if Minecraft was real? (laughs) If Minecraft was real. Okay. so this is someone has done this research and given a definitive answer. What planet would Minecraft, the Minecraft world, be the size would be compared to in our solar system? Dem, Dem, Jupiter. No. Oh, then it's the other one. Okay. <laughs> it's the other eight. It's um, the other eight. <laughs> <laughs> um, Connor. Um, I am gonna go. Um, let's go Venus. Womp wow, incorrect. Ah, Max, it's all on you. I'm gonna say the sun. No. <laughs> Womp <laughs> wow. It's on fire. Yeah. That's I mean, a big it's... that's a big planet. Minecraft's a big game. It's I true. have a feeling we've gone too big, guys. No, I go, I... go big or go home. No, oh. I, I think Max, you were right with the big because the answer's actually oh. Neptune. Oh, oh. I was going to say Neptune oh. close to the sun. Ne- Neptune is one of the bigger well actually the the bigger they are the further away they are from the, the from the sun I'm pretty sure is that that correct the gas planets oh, are no, the bigger because ones Pluto's oh, no. minuscule yeah. it's basically Pluto's a moon. at the ends there Well Pl- is but Pluto is Pluto a planet that's the question oh, let's wow. Hey but, it doesn't orbit another level. body it orbits the sun let's, let's just say that it's trying its best It is trying yes. its best and so is the player one crew but guess what no one got that point this time but that's okay. More points up for grabs because question two, folks. And it's also a space theme, which I promise is not the theme of this quiz. There's no theme. <laughs> I love space. Space! Space. Um, question two. Which was the first video game to be played in space? Connor? Connor. So, so we're actually talking like astronauts played this in space. Someone played it in space. Who knows? Um, been okay. Well... Human? Why not Space Invaders? Womp wow, incorrect. Nah. Max, go before me, please. I was going to say like Doom Eternal, but that's too recent. That's not the first. No, it's not about that one. That would be pretty funny, though. Yeah, just as, as a warning to what we have, what we have a planet. So look, we've we've thought of this. Hang on, I got no good ideas. Uh, I got no clue. Dem. Okay, Dem, let's do this. There's two things I think it could be. I genuinely think it might be the second, but I'll be miserable if it was the first. I think it's Pac-Man, but I thought maybe it was Pong. And it's neither, from the look on your face. It is neither. <laughs> it is neither. You're close, though. You're probably the, on the best track, I think. But um, the answer is actually Tetris. Oh, Oh, it was on a Game Boy, wasn't it? Correct. So 1993, a Russian astronaut actually brought 
his Game Boy up with him and was playing some Tetris. So yeah, that's cool. Spicy content. I love well, that. That close. is very. I, look, you were so close, Max. Was Doom Eternal? You were so close. Um, but <laughs> guess what, folks? We're two questions in, and no one's gotten a point. So this question, I'm feeling good, folks. I'm feeling good. Number three. Which band made more money from gaming royalties in Guitar Hero than any of their albums sold? Oh, that's actually a very good question. Um, Connor. Connor. Okay. Now, I'm going to go with the best Guitar Hero being Guitar Hero 3. Um, I'm going to laugh if it's through the fire and flames. Womp womp. Ah, bugger. She built that up so much, Eleni. Yeah. You built that up so much. She was just like, for anyone listening, she was just like moving slowly towards the microphone and she paused and then pursed her lips and then went, bow, bow, and Look, I'm a drama queen. What can I say? She's a princess. <laughs> Indeed, I am. But Dem, Max, any, any, any guesses of the band? Dem, I don't know what the band's called but I think it was for the song Jessica. I would I would almost... Oh, she's going to do it again. I don't know who... Wrote Jessica, I... right? Yeah, okay. so I'll just... Permission to check that? Yeah, we're, we're fact-checking. We fact-check here on Player One. We are fact-checking. Um, And you're incorrect. It is not the band, so... Yeah. That sucks. Um, Max, any ideas? Um, I... No, actually, I've got nothing. You know uh, what's so great about this is, so yeah. I was when I was making this quiz for listeners, this is a little inside goss, um, I read out the questions to my family to see if they get them right, and my mum knew the answer to this. Oh, so, my God, that's that's impressive. Which, shout out to my mum, because it means that, you know, my whole childhood playing guitar here, she was listening along, because, folks, the answer is Aerosmith. Oh, oh. really? Yeah. It- Wow. In fact, they did actually they Aeros- do have a literal own guitar hero game based off Aerosmith. Yeah, so they um Aerosmith licensed 29 of their songs in the game. So <sighs> which brought in revenue like millions of dollars worth. So good on Aerosmith. What a what a great business move on their part. Um mm-hmm. and now onto some more Minecraft content. Our last question for this part of the quiz before we head into Who's music. winning? Currently, no one, because no one has got a single <laughs> question right. So that means we're all winning. Exactly, everyone's winning. But um, now this question—it's a bit of a tongue twister, so bear with me. But question four: So, like a gaggle of geese, or a business, oh, great, or a business of badgers, there's a special name. Ma'am? What did you just say? Can you say that on the radio? Sorry, say that again. <laughs> a business of badgers. Oh nope, I heard something. <laughs> Wow. We'll carry on, sorry. There's a special name for a group of, like, Endermen in Minecraft. What is a group of Endermen called? I'm going to say Ender Lilies, Connor. Connor. Ender Lilies. Well, if you're listening to my question, it's like, you know, like a murder of crows or a gaggle of geese. I'm going to say it's an Ender Lilies of Endermen. Okay. Okay. That, so that's a boom, 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 boom. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Dem Max. Oh, 
I don't want to be mean, but this this quiz isn't. <laughs> See, that's what we would call mean, actually. <laughs> that's like saying no offense and then saying something that's going to offend someone. I'm not meaning to be racist, but. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Have either uh, of you got an answer? I'm going have... to say gaggle, just the same as geese. Gaggle. Seems like a good call. I have a suspicion. Um, Dem. Dem. Is it an eternity of Enderman? Oh, no, you pulled no. a face that was like, "Why would you even say that?" No, like, I was so judge. No, no, no. It wasn't. It was more of a. That's actually a better name than what it is. I was like, "That's actually clever." So I was oh. about to give you a compliment. Thank. Yeah, good save. <laughs> no, thank, thank you. you. What was it then? Well, the answer is um, a haunting of Ender. Oh. And Spooky. you know, currently as it stands. Everyone is still on zero points, which means the second <laughs> half is crucial to finding out who will win the quiz. Turn, turn your brain cells on, people. Come on. Brain cells are on, and this is the next question. So question five. Who was the youngest esports millionaire? Feck. <laughs> oh, Max, I know this. Max. I don't know his name, but it was that kid who played Fortnite. Is it Booger or something? Is that how you pronounce his name? I actually don't know how you pronounce it, but he was like, he was like, he was really good and he won. And then, well, that is how you win a tournament. But like, no, am I close? Am You're I close, close. And I'm going to give you one chance. Uh -oh. the you didn't get the name, but do you know how old he was? <sighs> 13? I don't know. These questions are too hard. <laughs> okay, look. And people I, give me a hard time. Okay, we're going to go with blah, blah, but um, if <sighs> either of Dem or Connor can give me the age, then I'll give you the point for that. Connor, um, I'm going to say this young, this young gentleman was 14 years old. Can I ask a All question? Right. You sure can. Um. I have two questions, actually. Am I allowed yeah. to ask two questions? Depends on the questions. Okay, the first question is, is there an age limit for entering an eSports tournament? You... Obviously, oh, not, being an, not, not being an infant or a toddler would probably count. <laughs> yeah, but, like, there's no limit. Like, you could sign up. Could you sign up for it? Because <laughs> I would assume that there would be, like, a nine-year-old could not sign up. I, I guess, would I guess that, it would depend on the game. Know. I imagine that if the game has like a rating of PG, for example, there'd be no limitations. But if it's an MA plus game, I can't mm. imagine. Yeah, but if their parents them alone. if their parents said yes, then they probably could play it. True. Um, I, from your answer, I'm sort of get, surmising that there was no limit on this tournament for age. Mm -hmm. Okay. The other question was, how close were the other two? Were they too high or too low? Uh, they were very close. Very, very close. What are <laughs> we've said 13 and we've said 14. Yes. Yes. Were we low or were we high? I am declining to answer that. Cool. Um, well, there's two directions I can go in. Correct. And which one are you going to choose, Dan? <laughs> and it was the youngest. Choose? Um, 15. Correct. Oh, there we She's go. She's done it, folks. The answer was so the the esports player's name is Jaden Ashman. He was fifteen, um, and he placed second at the Fortnite World Cup. So he didn't win, but um, oh, 
Didn't even didn't even win. That's so brutal. (laughs) I know. What imagine being an esports millionaire at fifteen? What an absolute disappointment. If if you're you're not going to win, what you know? What's the point? What's good the millions if you've got no title to use them under? Exactly. Um, and now the so Dem's on the board. We finally yeah, (laughs) on the board like with Elden Ring. I've hit one percent. Exactly. Can she, hit, can, she can she hit 2%? Can she hit 2%? Who knows? But this next question, question six, folks. What is the most expensive video game made to date? Oh, no. Connor. Wait, is this... Connor. Okay, so expensive in terms of, like, a budget for a video game or just, like, a if there was, like, a general copy? Um, budget. Okay. Um, ooh, I believe... Now, I could be wrong, but I also could be right. I believe the the highest budget was for GTA Five. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Oh, correct. Correct. Very nice. It is GTA Five, which is not surprising. Let's be honest. Um, yeah. But yes, there we go. Connor's on the board. Dem's on the board. Max, can you get this next question? We'll find out. But probably not. Now, this one is sort of a multiple choice, and you're all going to get a chance to answer. So everyone could get a point, could not get a point. Who knows? Um, question seven. How many video games, approximately, were released in the 1990s? Now you have four oh, options. Wow. Four options. We've got oh. we've got option A, 260. Option B, 320. Option C, 400. Or option D, 470. So this is the whole decade. The whole decade. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Really. Okay. Mm-hmm. Gosh, we are blessed for content, aren't we? Exactly. I hope, <laughs> yeah, I, I hope that makes us realize how many games we're blessed with. But yes, um, A, A two hundred and sixty, B three hundred and twenty, C four hundred, D four hundred and seventy. Connor. Connor. I'm, I'm going to say D four hundred and seventy. Okay, Dem. I'll say B. B three hundred and twenty and Max. Well, I'll lock in C. C four hundred. Well, folks, Connor is correct. Last question, folks. Connor's on two, Dem's on one, Max is on none, but Dem, Dem, you could tie it up here, but... I plan to. Now, this is a bit of a tricky question, folks. Mm. We've got a bit of a trick question here, and Max is excited already, I can tell, but... I'm so excited, I just can't hide it. Question eight, folks. What was the first official RPG game ever created? Dem. Dem. Can you tell me what platform it was on? Uh, well, it's a game. It's D and D. That is correct. Yeah, <laughs> my answer. That was definitely going to be my answer. Now that I thought about it. Hey, this is Phoebe Watson, and you're listening to Player One. It's a sad time on Player One because we've actually got the end of the show coming up, folks. You know, if you're in the car, if you're tuning in at home, tuning in however you would, tune in next week, of course. But before we get there, we want to let you know where you can check out all our great content. If you head to at play one scene on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you can check out all of our socials. We'll keep you up to date on what we've got going on. Any cool or interesting gaming news we think is, is worth a post. It'll all be there for you to check out. So head over. But if you want to hear our lovely voices, even more than you already do on a Monday night, head to player one on Omni, Apple podcast, Google podcasts, and Spotify, We've got all of the shows from season one up there in podcast form, as well as some great interviews, some other additional content when we've got more on the horizon. So stay tuned for all that 
lovely, lovely, lovely content. But stay safe, look after yourselves, play some great video games, and we will see you all next week. This is the Player One crew signing out.